As we meander on our journey through life, we are constantly encountering new people. A constant flow of humans ebbing and flowing from the circle of life that surrounds us. I've realised as the years roll on that if we just take the time to ask, nearly everyone has an interesting story to tell. That we can learn so much just from being inquisitive and interested in those around us. This podcast is some of the stories from the people that have been part of my circle, whether that's just hovering the periphery or part of the central cast of characters in my life. This is Stories from My Circle. In this episode, we'll meet Gabby, who although has only been intersected with my circle briefly, has impacted me greatly. We'll be discussing death and the taboo that surrounds it, and we hope we might be able to plant a few seeds that might change the way we approach physical death and how we deal with it. want an instant snapshot of vicious society, I think one of the best places to go would be a year six leavers party. If you don't know how the British education system works, at age 10 or 11, our children leave their primary schools and go on to secondary. I guess the equivalent in the US would be going from elementary to middle school. And when they leave at the end of year six, there's usually a bit of a celebration and all the parents gather together, mothers mainly. It's usually held on a beach or in a park. And it's there that we'll be able to see how the land lies. Because on the whole, we do generally, as a society, stick to our own. There will be many different picnic blankets dotted around, each with a different type of mother grouped together. There'll be the posh mums that will have the swanky picnic blanket from John Lewis, real glass flutes and a bottle of Prosecco, maybe a Waitrose cheese board, which everybody else will be very jealous about. There'll be the party mums, always up for a bit of a laugh. They'll always be together, making everyone else wonder how the hell they navigated childbirth and still retain the energy to stay awake past 8pm. There'll be the totally unorganised mums like me, that 10 minutes before ran around Lidl, shoving every snack-tastic item we could lay our hands on into the carrier bag and not remembering to bring a knife for the pork pie, so everyone just has to pass it around taking a bite. There'll be the slightly socially awkward mums, who aren't really sure what to do. And every other type of person in between. But there are some rare places in our society where all these tiny barriers that we live with are completely disregarded. And one of those places is an NHS hospital ward. If you're not aware how the British NHS system works, in our hospitals our wards have between 6 to 12 beds, all single sex, male or female, with all of us in various stages of disrepair. And it is there that you have no choice. You either muck in together, regardless of your place in society, or else you're in for a long, lonely, isolated stay in a place that is so clinical, you might as well be sleeping in a lab. Fortunately, or perhaps unfortunately for me, I've spent many, many weeks in these wards because I've had Crohn's disease since I was 19, which has continuously refused to ever go into any sort of remission for any significant period of time. So much of my life has been spent chatting to random strangers I don't know in beds next to me. And it's actually been one of the best things that could have happened. Because I've learnt not to live with these barriers. I've learnt that people are interesting, whether they're 19 or 90. That most people are quite nice, regardless of their social or political persuasion. And on the whole, that most people would rather chat to the person next to them than spend long hospital days in silence and alone. It was on one of these wards a few weeks ago that Gabby came in. 
I suppose in reality what happened was that Gabby was just wheeled in on a hospital bed, like everybody else, and plonked into a bay. But to get the right image of Gabby in your head, I think the best way to imagine it is that Gabby rode in on a beautiful white horse, looking like a Greek goddess, with full makeup on and her hair flowing around her shoulders and radiating a sense of warmth and light. This is Stories from My Circle, with me, Lou Brown. This is episode one, Gabby. (laughs) A few hours after Gabby arrived and we settled into an easy way of chatting, she made what I thought was a joke about being terminal and this not being what she expected palliative care to be like. I guess most people would have just dodged this statement and politely swerved the conversation onto things like the weather. But luckily for me, and mainly because I'm a right nosy cow and have zero filter about such things, I simply asked, what do you mean? You're terminal. That's a joke, right? But it turns out it wasn't a joke, and that Gabby is in fact physically dying. At only 47, Gabby has stage 4 cervical cancer. Well, I suppose that's actually a lie, because now she just has cancer. Everywhere. But I'll let her tell you about that. Two years ago, May, they said I had like 4C or something, which I thought we'd, we would, um, you know, I would fight it. I'm this healer. I can, you know, um, I'll get rid of it. And then I had to go through this process of not being a failure, not being, it's not punishment. It's not failure. This is my journey. If I'm meant to cure this, I'd cure it. You get me? I'm not meant to be in this stage. If I'm not meant to be here, I'm not meant to be here. Who the hell am I to question that? I'll be honest. I was a moth of a flame with Gabby. She's one of the very rare people I've met in my life that is like me and isn't scared of dying. She's approaching her physical passing with her tits out, her arms open and her eyes wide. She accepts that dying is just part of her journey. And like me, she strongly feels that we need to rethink our way of talking about and accepting death. That as a society, we need to stop our ingrained culture of it being the elephant in the room. That it isn't something dark and awful to be feared, but instead it's something to embrace. And when the time comes on our journey for our bodies to die, we should open our arms up to it. We both strongly believe that the physical death of our bodies isn't the end of our being, and that we go on to a different way of existing, which for all of us looks different. But for Gabby, it looks like this. I think it is so expansive. It's millions and trillions and you can go into millions and trillions. I couldn't even put it into words. And I think it would be ignorant to even try. Never be alone because there's a whole fucking army just waiting to embrace me. (laughs) Whole army. How delicious is that? Imagine never feeling that. Never knowing that. Fucking how painful, babe. Abby, like me, feels we should talk more freely about the process of physical death, that it should just be something we accept from a very early age. My dad was really closed about his journey to his physical ending. He didn't allow me to ask him any questions that I wanted to know. Like, how does it feel? Does it hurt? Can you feel your body giving up? I think many of us want to know, and maybe if we knew, we wouldn't fear it quite so much. I asked Gabby, and thankfully, she's more than willing to give me some insight. 
you feel um that's a funny ex like when I'm in pain, do you know what it feels like? Your veins are being ripped like a, your veins it deep in like the roots of a tree, like Mother Earth. And you feel that in the most intricate roots of your being. I haven't got more tired yet because I'm just like, dee, 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 dee. but yeah, food is just, my body doesn't want it so much. So yeah, it's, it's, I'm respecting that. I don't want to be fucking force fed some shitty milkshake. I asked Gabby about how she envisions her final days. Has she thought about where she wants to be? Her funeral? The people surrounding her? Like many people, my dad included, she wants to die at home. One of the things I love most about Gabby is that she refuses to follow the normal prescribed attitude towards her physical end. I will create, because we are creators of our own universe, and I will create a very peaceful, restful death. I'll be in my bed with the people around me. The first time I'll be able to have all my candles on again because I might have the oxygen on. <laughs> yeah, my chanting music, you know, the smells, and I will be led to rest. I will not be touched for 24 hours because it's really important for me, for the soul to go over. It's just something that I know in my being that works for me on my journey. Because we can choose. I don't have to die in terror. I don't have to die in pain. I don't. Why can't I walk into death with this, this golden energy that's growing because I'm allowing the environment to grow instead of all the fear-based bullshit? Because we're so programmed that it is a punishment. This is a fear-based program that has been put in to control us. I suppose this might seem all very well, but what about the people we leave behind? What about the grief and the hole that someone we love no longer being there creates? But what if we just lived accepting that no one is here forever, rather than just facing it when the time comes? Would we maybe appreciate our lives a bit more? Would we appreciate our time together more? Gabby has two adult children and a partner who I have no doubt are going to miss her earthly presence greatly. So how does she tell people? How do you say, I'm going to die? I don't think I did really, because I wasn't much, I didn't want to, I'm not really, you know, put it out there drama. And because... I went through stages, you know, I can do this, I'm meant to be here. or And then I recognised that actually I'm not meant to be anything apart from what's happening. But people are struggling with it. <laughs> yeah, don't want to talk about it. But, you know, I, I worked my ass off to get here spiritually, to be connected with Source. You know, that's other people's problems. It's not my problem. I'm quite comfortable. Like I said, I'm not in a rush. But I know there is a time on this. And also about regrets. Does she have any? Does she wish perhaps there are things she wishes she'd done differently? Or done at all? But like me, Gabby has lived her life with full gusto. She's crammed everything in with little regard to the consequences. She has never feared failure or worried about pensions, material possessions. And on this, I think she's absolutely right. I too, having been ill for so long, don't give these things much thought anymore. I've done a thousand things and I've enjoyed every single one of them and I hope desperately that others will follow suit because I've had many conversations with patients like Gabby 
And although none of them have ever been as open as her, I promise you that every single one of them never talks about the house they had or the clothes they wore. They talk about the places they travelled to and the crazy times they had with their friends, connected to the world around them, rather than the model of phone they were looking into. As I was saying to Lenny's dad yesterday, I don't have any regrets, but I have a regret for getting a slight, a slight hit out of uh, abusive relationships. I went through that period, you know, of self-worth hurting myself. And the one thing I always want to know, no matter who is lying in the bed next to me, is what is the greatest lesson life has taught you? What is the one thing you have learnt that you want every other person to know? I've had many different versions to the answer to this question, but essentially it's always the same. To love more. To stop hanging on to meaningless grudges and arguments. It always seems so sad to me that it's so far down the line that so many of us learn this lesson. We put it in second place in our race through life. So many of us seem to worry about following the signposted tarmac path of materialism before we reach the end and figure out that actually the best bit is just chatting to a stranger in a hospital ward. Love. Love is the answer. Vibration of love is everything. If you can vibe on love, gratitude, love, it's all the same vibe. Get out of confusion. Get out of all this bullshit. It is love. There's, you know, if you don't believe in you and how great you are, then you're putting someone else on a pedestal and putting yourself beneath. That's not the way forward either, is it? Laugh. Like, so humour is everything. We must find humour in the darkest spots because when we do, it lightens the darkest spots. How can we lighten any dark spots without that? We want warmth. Hugs, love. I mean, look at you in hospital going over and just your whole train of thought of we should be helping each other, putting our blankets over each other. And, you know, like I forgive. I am the biggest forgiver ever. Like, I love forgiving, like, because you, you've got, what well, you just forgive. You're not holding on to anything. Everything's light. You know, I'm not one to. Forgive my abuser. Forgive, 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 forgive. Because if I'm not, I'm just holding on to that shit. And so this brings us towards the end of my first episode of Stories to My Circle. I really hope you found it interesting. From Gabby and me, thanks for spending some time with us. And we hope that maybe, just maybe, we can start to change the view that death is just darkness and misery. But that instead it's okay. It's just part of the journey. That life is forever transient. And the only constant in life is change. It's been an absolute honour to have had Gabby as part of my circle, albeit briefly, and I will always be eternally grateful to her for allowing me to bask in her openness and light. In the next episode, we'll meet my friend Famie and talk about how life's journey is essentially just to go on the bumper car ride at the fair. And if we get bumped too much in the beginning, it can become near impossible to get a clear space as the ride goes on. I need to thank so many of my amazing TikTok followers that brought me all the things I needed to make this podcast. Your generosity has amazed me and my gratitude is endless. I've purposely chosen not to run automated ads on my podcasts because I can't bear the thought of aligning myself with products I know nothing about. 
So if you would like to support me in my work, you can find me on Patreon under Lou Brown, and the link can be found in the show notes. My Patreon has no tiers, and everybody gets the same no matter how much they pledge. Each episode of the series drops there a week before anywhere else, and one episode of each series is available exclusively to patrons. My aim, eventually, is to get myself off this horrible, degrading state benefits, but with a body like mine, this often seems like an impossible mountain to climb. But if I could ask only one thing, could you possibly take a moment to review this episode? I know we all live in a time when we're entirely sick of being asked to like, share, comment, blah, blah, blah. But unfortunately, the way our lives are now, dominated by algorithms, it's the only way I can get my work out there. Stories from My Circle is presented and written by me, Lee Brown, and it's produced by Amy Newsom-Stone. I'll just leave you with a little piece of advice from Gabby that she wants you to know about me, should I pass have a cross in the future. Yeah, she makes shit coffee.